You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Waste Disposal Center 3 on the original Death Star. Got it. All right, Vocal Fam, we are back for the first Whoa. time in what feels like a year and a half. I think yeah. it's been I think it's been a whole fourteen days. It in fact. That My is more gosh. Accurate. Are you sure, Sarah? I'm possible. You know what? Listen. That did feel like a very long spring break. Like I came back to lessons this week and I was like That was a year and a half what ago. Did we work on last time? Can what, I just like, also say that spring break? is now just filled with all the horrid Facebook memories that we have to live with for the rest of our lives uh, from 2020. Yeah. Anyway, not to start this episode on a down note. That is a little bit of a down uh, note. Vocal fam, Liz is back with us. Hello. Liz, Liz, who Liz. gave that great graduate recital, now working on, uh, uh, we'll, we'll do Marmee and Little Women in Woo. all of six days? Seven days. Six days. Six days. Six Thursday. days. We open Little Women you, in six right? days. Yep. Um, we have our dear friend Amanda Flynn with us today. We are super excited about this episode, wanted to do it for a while. We're going to hear about her journey through this weird world of voice and through yes. uh, whatever, and, and her book, The Revision of So You Want to Sing Musical Theater. But uh, Amanda, welcome to Vocal Fry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I feel like this is a rite of passage oh. in the voice world. I don't know I'm when honored. it became that because let me tell you what Sarah and I started this podcast. Sarah presumed that no one would listen to it. Absolutely no <laughs> it's one. It's true. It's the only well, reason I said I'd do it. I feel like it's like it's like you know doing SVI, you know having <laughs> research accepted, winning the Van Lawrence, <laughs> writing a book, and then finally a guest on the Vocal Fry podcast. If that is the case, Uh (laughs) we have fooled everyone. (laughs) Sarah, we have fooled the world. Yep. Yep. Amazing. So uh, needless to say, I'm thrilled to be here. We're very excited to have you. Well, we are very excited to have you. Um, So, Amanda, tell us a little bit about... Oh wait! Before oh, we yeah, do, you're, before you're, we do, we were just talking. We what? were just saying that uh, we can't. Uh, I was telling Amanda that we don't edit out much of this podcast, and, which is true. I mean, like we've edited about all of about you know what three I, I, three total probably minutes. Count it on our hands. hands. How, how many, many minutes? How many minutes of, ep- of of episodes we've edited yeah, out? It's not much. Um, uh, but. <laughs> I w- she was saying it's, it was what we give away all the secrets. That's what we need to edit out. And I was like, so one of my favorite podcasts right now, y'all, is, is an older podcast. It's been around for a long time. They have a huge following, millions and millions of followers, oh. unlike this show. Um, we have billions <laughs> and billions of followers. Anyway, uh, no, but they, <laughs> there was, there was a, uh, I, I watch How Did This Get Made a lot, or listen to How Did This Get Made a lot, and they have a T-shirt because there was a character in one of the movies that they did that the character's name was Topsy Kretz. Oh. And I, get I it. want a t- I want one of their t-shirts that says Topsy Kretz. <laughs> I because, love it. Cuz on Vocal Fry we give away all the Topsy Kretz. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't oh god. Deal, okay. I can't deal. It's a great joke. 
It no, is. it's not. <laughs> and listen, we're, we've been in tech all week. It's it's just where we're at. So Amanda, t- tell us about how, how how did how did your journey come? You know, one of the joys for us has always been there are no linear paths here in this world of voice. Mm-hmm. So kind of tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, performing, doing music, dance, everything. Um, I was really mostly a dancer. I mean, I did sing and I was in choir and stuff, but I, you know, dance was like the super passion. Um, and yeah, so I went to school actually, um, you know, it was (laughs) the nineties. Um, so don't we all remember them so well? I thought it was um, like yesterday. What do you mean? I know, right? It was like five minutes ago. Um, it, um, you know, I knew I really, I knew what I wanted to do. I really wanted to do musical theater. I knew I wanted to do Broadway. Like that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to move to New York City. Like it was, there was no doubt in my mind. I'd, I've known for a very long time that that was what I wanted to do. But there were very few musical theater programs, right? In the late 90s, early 2000s, okay. there's like a handful. There were so yep. few. And so like, I was very lost. And so like, I applied to like NYU because it was the only one I knew about, but I did not have the grades to get into NYU. So that did not work out. So I ended up going to school in Texas where I'm from and went to Baylor, which is where my whole, all my family went. They have a great music school. And so I did that for a little bit, but I just was so unhappy. So I, um, cause it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I left school, moved to New York and started performing. I started my career. Um, and so I performed, you know, as a musical theater performer for many years. Um, and then, you know, I ran into some issues with my voice, um, that were a little, uh, weird. Like it was like, just like a little weird. And it, it turns out it was, um, I have asthma and it was, stuff related to medications I was on, but it was all, it was a real um, stressful time to go yeah, through this, sure. particularly because I was, I was, I was in the original LA cast of Wicked. And so I was, I was doing Wicked and this was like doing Wicked. I mean, doing Wicked is great anytime, but like, this was like 2007. So it was Have you heard of that? Vocal fan, have you heard of that show? It was a little show. It was a little show written by Stephen Schwartz. It, it may have played on, on a few <laughs> You stages. may have seen it. Um, but it was doing that in 2007. The show was only like three or four years old, right? Sure. So it was like, you know, a big deal. And um, uh, I was running into all these vocal issues and it was really, really stressful. And I was met with a lot of um, resistance and consternation oh. about like, um, about about the issues. Um, and it really yes. sparked something in me about taking care of singers and providing singers, you know, resources and shows. And and so, you know, my brain kind of started spinning a little bit and um, I continued to perform after that, but I started teaching a little bit because, um, you know, I come from a family of teachers. So teaching has always been something that I've just done and kind of come to naturally. Pretty much everyone in my family is a teacher of some sort. Um, so I started doing that a little bit. Then I decided um, I really wanted to do it more. I wanted to go to graduate school. Um, so I had to finish my undergrad. So I finished my undergrad um, at the new school, I went to grad that. school. Yeah, I went to um, uh, grad school at NYU um, and kind of never looked back. I always say I'm accidentally retired from performing because <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of started teaching and kind of went into the voice world and, you know, never really looked back. Um, and, you know, that wasn't necessarily my intention. My intention with grad school was like, I need I need to have a career that I love that is fulfilling, that uses my brain um, while I'm also pursuing my performing career, but the universe had other plans. And so here we are. <laughs> you know, that's so fascinating. I actually don't know that I realized that, that you know, you and I sort of had that much in common, it, it, particularly in terms of timeline, because like, I mean, you know, it was like, 
it was, I guess, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07 for me where my voice troubles came in and, and uh, you know, had, had been out doing the thing and then all of a sudden, like, just had this total tonal shift in my in my life and career and, and, and mm-hmm. purpose. But you're right, like, particularly in the aughts still of, of, of this this century, there was still a lot of stigma, stigma around, like, voice health stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, for like, sure, big time. I mean, I mean and it's time. still there, but it was I, it's, like it's substantially worse then. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... was substantially worse 20 yeah. years ago. And, um, you know, just thinking through that, I mean, I remember what a time it was. And, and, and man, I just I like thinking through that for you. I'm, I'm so sorry you went through that. Yeah. Um, because I just remember what it was like for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and it it's one of the reasons that we've tried to use the podcast over the years, partially to destigmatize like voice health stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. because it, a any kind of voice thi- voice, particularly things that actually are of no fault to a singer, mm-hmm. and no fault to their technique, right? Yeah, you know, you just said you know some asthma stuff, some medication stuff. That that that, that has nothing to do with your singing yep. technique. Yeah, not at all. And you know, it um, it was just kind of mind-blowing to me that I was like on my own trying to figure this out but yet I went to PT three times a week for the click in my neck because of the wig I was wearing and I was like this is really interesting um (laughs) the fact that like it's my voice right but you know it's a well you just don't know how to sing but the fact that my neck clicks no one's saying well you just don't know how to dance or walk or like hold your neck they're going oh yeah let's get you in PT for that (laughs) I'm like hmm there seems to be a double standard here. And so that actually has been like a major, a major push in a lot of the work I've done. And in 2019, I was really fortunate to work on two Broadway shows back to back as the production vocal coach, which was really what I wanted to do when I set out to do this was like to be that resource for the actors in the show, because, you know, there should be a voice resource and you know, we're seeing the, it more and more now, but one of those was lightning thief. What was the other one? Be more chill. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I know what both of these were. And I yeah. was like, I, I, why can't I think of what the other one was? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. That's, 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 that's amazing. By the way, do you, do you happen to know the composer of one of those shows? <laughs> I, I do. I know. Oh, okay. I, I, I know both of them, but I know one of them very well. He's sleeping in my bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> just just with, thought I'd ask. Yeah, with the baby monitor very loud so that when the baby wakes up, he can go get her. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so. As you like went through grad school and started to morph into teaching, like mm-hmm. that must have been like really because you were in New York at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've lived in New York since two thousand three, so I've so been here I twenty mean, years. Like, wow. like, what was that like? Um, like that transition, like in in terms of like coming, you know, sort of from performing through voice stuff into grad school, and, and then you start just did you just go out on your own? Did you open a private studio first, or like how yeah. how was that process? So I was I had started teaching privately before grad school because I, you know, kind of wanted to like, you know, get my feet wet and figure it out and and had done like workshops and master classes and different things, you know, the things you do as a performer, right? Sure. When people want you to teach their kids or whatever. Um so I'd done plenty of those. And then I had a little I had a very small private studio when I started grad school. Um, and you know, the program at NYU, you get, um, you teach for two years as an adjunct when you're there. So I was able to teach for two years while I was there and continue building my private studio. Um, and then, 
you know, but the, the degree there is actually a master's in performance, right? So I did my master's in vocal performance, concentration in musical theater, and then they have the advanced certificate in vocal pedagogy. So right. I was able to sort of do both, but I, I wanted to do that program specifically, number one, because it was in New York and I wasn't going to leave New York. But number sure. two, I didn't have an undergrad in performance. Now, granted, I'd performed at a high level, but I thought that there was value in having um having a degree in performance and having kind of gone through that sort of uh, performance type program, um, especially since I would be teaching, right? You know, teaching performance, right? I felt that having a, a master's degree in performance, um, since I didn't finish my undergrad in performance, I ended up finishing it in liberal arts. Um, so so anyway, so that's sort of why I did that. But yeah, I already had a, had a private studio, continued to build that through grad school, continued to build it out of grad school, but went right into teaching. I started teaching at CAP 21, um, mm. which is a musical theater conservatory. Yep. So I taught there um, and for a while and then started teaching at Pace. And now I just teach at Pace um, in the musical theater program, but then have my private studio. So, you know, it took a couple of years before I was able to fully support myself. I mean, I certainly waited tables while I was teaching um, uh, for yeah. the first few years and then eventually had enough where now I fully support myself. Sure. sure. I, I was just literally telling my, my Liz's class yesterday, actually, mm -hmm. that, you know, like, look, the, A, the gig economy is tough enough as a performer, but, you know, sometimes we, like, uh, when they're going out as voice teachers, depending on where they are, sometimes they think, like, oh, I'll never be able to support myself, whatever. And I was like, well, it takes a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. But to be completely honest, it's it's no, I don't know that it's easier or more difficult than just being a performer in the gig economy. They yeah. each have their challenges. For sure they each take time to kind of arrive at that point where, oh, this is all I'm doing to support myself. Mm -hmm. um, For sure. Yeah, know. and it took a few years before it, that was the oh, case. Of course. But, you know, it's a, it was a good transition when it was like, okay, I think I have enough going on here that I can, yeah, I can yeah, just yeah, do yeah, this yeah. and yeah, I sure. don't have to do other things. Um, and by that point, you know, I wasn't really performing anymore. So, you uh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. You brought up um, one thing I, w I wanted to ask you about yeah. because you you mentioned that you were uh, you know the vocal coach for two Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. T we've not had anybody who was actually that on the podcast before. Tell us what that experience was kind of like. What kind of day to day things you sure. did? G give us a little idea of that because I I, I I I we've never had anybody like that on. Yeah, sure. So. Um, I will tell you that it looked a little different between the two shows, um, sure. um, just based on how I was hired contractually and like what what I was paid to do. Um, and part of that is also because there's not it's not standardized. Um, I'm actually in the middle of doing um, a big project about this, and so I'll be presenting at PAMA, the Performing Arts Medical Association Conference, this summer here in New York. It's going to be in New York at Wild Cornell. And then probably probably publishing a paper about this, but you know, doing I'm doing a little bit of historical research about sort of the history of physical therapy on Broadway and sort of like how that started as just like out of need and then has become standardized right. and is now standardized as part of the production contract. Um, but um, for me, when I was doing Be More Chill, we did um, uh, basically everybody got access to me for an hour a week. So wow. everyone in the show could have an hour long voice lesson and the company would pay for it. Cushy. Rough, rough cast size on that show? About 12 or 13. Okay. 
Um, wow, still that but, that's like uh, so, so there's some there are some stuffy academics out there going, well, that's my whole studio. Uh huh. <laughs> now, not everybody did that. No one, everybody took advantage of it, um, but they had access to it. But so, they had access to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if anybody, you know, so if anybody like ran into any issues, they could come to me. You know, I worked a lot with um, like, uh, well, a lot, a lot of people, um, you know, worked with um, the swings, you know, making sure that they felt good about their material. So when they would sure. go on um, and yeah, so some people, you know, I, I pretty much saw everybody at some point in the sure. run. I think like one or two people I, I never saw, but but everyone else. And so I was there and I was available. And, you know, um, I would, if an actor wanted me to watch their show and give them notes or feedback, I totally would. But I, I tried to keep myself, I think this is an important aspect of, of being in this position, is separating yourself from the creative team, right? I'm not a note giver. I don't give notes. Right. I, you know, your your vocal coach has to be a safe space, Right. It has to be someone you can go to when you're in distress, just like your physical therapist. When you go to and you say my back hurts. Right. You need to be able to come. And that that goes away when I start giving out notes, when I start, you know, giving notes. That 100 percent goes away because that music director gives notes. They give music notes. They give vocal notes. Right. But again, they're not the person you go to in distress. So um, I think that's a really important distinction. Um, But I would only note if people ask me to, if they're like, hey, can you see can you watch the show? And like, if you tell me if you hear that thing, been working on and then you know give me yeah it sounded good or oh try this right you know but again that's because they're asking me to do it and very different from just giving someone a random performer's note to be for sure right but you know it's it's you know if the if the you know director's coming in and noting the show the stage manager's noting the show you know there are people that their job is to note the show and that is what they do the dance captain notes the show these are this is part of the job of a long-running show is these are people that come in and they are noting the show frequently um and that's their job to get notes from them but that's not me. Um, and I feel right. like that's a very, very important distinction is keeping myself away from the creative team. Um, now I would have plenty of conversations with creative team members. We actually had a vocal injury right out of the gate and be more chill. Um, uh, on the second preview, George Salazar hemorrhaged. Um, and he talks about this freely. He talks this, about it in, yes. and he talks mm-hmm. about it in my book. He wrote the foreword to my book. And so that really shifted my role <laughs> from what we sort of thought it was going to be. I was going to sort of be this outside resource. And all of a sudden I was right in the thick of it because he was really one of the stars of the show. Uh, a lot was riding on him um, being on that stage and we had to pull him out of the show um, and let that hemorrhage heal. He re-hemorrhaged. We had to take it back out again. And so it just was like, a real stressful moment um, for all, but my job really became very hands-on there. I was going to all the doctor's appointments. I was communi- I was the liaison between the producers and the creative team and the medical team. Exactly. Um, yeah, yep. being that person being like, look, this is the trajectory. This is sort of what I see, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that was, um, you know, that was stressful, but I was, I felt um, very prepared for that. Um, I understood everything that was going on. I was like, you know, this is something I had prepared for. Exactly. Um, and so I felt, you know, I felt um, successful in navigating, you know, navigating through that. Um with uh, Lightning Thief, it was a little different. Um, so it wasn't the one hour a week. It was more of, um, you know, being being there, you know, watching the show once a week because I was watching. I watched to be more chill once a week anyway because there was so much going on <laughs> with, sure. the, with getting everything open vocally that I was I was watching the show a lot. But um, I would watch the show. I would work with the actors. I I sort of made sure all the actors had a warm up track. Lightning Thief was a little different because they um, they had already been on tour. 
So everyone had been doing the show for a year. And so, so a lot of our work was really, I did a session with everybody out of the gate to just go through and like work through trouble spots, like the spots that they knew in the show were tricky or fatiguing or would be unreliable, that type of thing. So we just did a lot of like cleaning up the show vocally, making sure everyone had warm up, cool down tracks. um, And then being there to, to sort of like, you know, work with people throughout the week as needed. So, um, so that was sort of what I did, you know, um, you know, you'll see vocal coaches on Broadway in other capacities, right? Like sometimes um, people work with just the kids in the show or they work with just the lead or whatever it might be. Um, And so I think, um, you know, being there as this resource for everybody in the cast, now granted these are slightly smaller shows, particularly Lightning Thief was like eight or nine people. So it's a little more feasible to do that. But um, for me, I think it's really important that is something that's accessible to everybody and not just just your leads, right? Because your ensemble singers are singing a ton um, in most shows. So um, yeah, so that's sort of what the day-to-day looked like. You know, it really changed. It was really variable. Um, you know, um, some days I was doing a ton of stuff with the actors and some some weeks, not, not a lot. You know, a really important point you made though there while you were talking about, you know, dealing with the injury. Mm-hmm. I think it's important because essentially you, you said that that you were really acting almost as a translationalist, Mm -hmm. you know, between the different, the different factors that were at play there between the medical team, between the production team, between whatever. And, and I, and I think that that's a really beautiful picture of realizing like what our role as a a voice teacher or a voice specialist, singing voice specialist really is, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes is that we've really got to be that, you know, I'm even thinking like in an academic setting, sometimes I have to be that between like, even like uh, our otolaryngology team and and a choral director or Mm -hmm. our, you know, or, or, or what have you. But at the same time, that really was you staying in your lane. You were not the medical professional yeah. uh-huh. doing the actual, you know, exams, treatment, diagnosis, et cetera. But you also were letting the production team make their decisions and whatever. That's a really beautiful yeah. picture of, of that, yeah. I think. I think so, too. And I think also um, I had been around the medical world enough and knew enough about hemorrhages and had been in the thick yeah. of enough hemorrhages that I was able to ask all the questions and push back, right? And again, this is working with a doctor that I know very well and have a very good relationship with where I can push back a little and be like, we have to do this. This is what it has to be. What do we do? You know, do you think this, could this be happening? What, what's the, what's the timeline if it looks like that? You know what I mean? Like, like able to have those conversations because of the years that I had sort of already been in the trenches in just a different context. Um, And I think that's really important because I think sometimes as a voice teachers, when we're around medical professionals, we tend to just sort of like say, okay, thank you so much. Right. You know, it's like, oh yeah, they're the doctor in the room. Oh yes, you're totally right. 100% right. Um, But um, doctors are humans too. And yes, it is their lane. And I would never make a medical decision or a medical diagnosis. But but there is a difference. I think there's a sweet spot of really being able to ask very educated questions and really being able to question the information the doctor is giving you, um, particularly when you're in such a stressful situation that we were in um, with the timeline, right? Because we have this crunch of a timeline of getting the show open. um, And it was, you know, it was, you know, a tough 
tough thing. And so I, I had to take care of the show, but most importantly, I had to take care of the actor, right? That was the most important thing is making sure the actor was taken care of. Um, and it was stressful enough without the actor having to try to go to the producers and explain what was going on. And I was able to be sure. that sort of intermediary, but you're right. It's staying in our lane, but being able to ask the other lanes, the right questions. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Really quick before we move on, because yeah. I want to ask you about the Van Lawrence Award quick. Yeah. But um, t- two personal anecdotes about those two uh, shows. One, okay. I would really like to mount. I would really like to mount Lightning Thief here at, at school. I would love that. Um, at some point soon. Um, uh, it's in my. It's in my like list of things I want to do. Um, I, I produce our productions, and so um, it's, it's in my. It's in my producer's short list in my phone. Um, we're not doing it next year, but, um, uh, the other thing is in, in, in be more chill. I have an aspiring teenage musical theater singer uh-huh. son, <laughs> and I very much look for who Michael in the bathroom will be perfect for uh-huh. in a, just a few years. Who yeah. It's also very much his personality. Is it not? Am I right? Oh no, you're definitely right. And I very much look forward to being able to work through that with him as his voice teacher and father. But I love anyway, that. It's a great song. <laughs> just a little personal anecdote about those two I love shows. it. Uh, so tell us about the Van Lawrence Award. That was a few years ago now. Um, yeah. what, what was that project about? So um, I published a paper with um, Aaron Johnson and Jared Trudeau hmm, 2017, 18, I don't know when it came something out. Like but yeah, something like that. Something like that. But we did an acoustic study um, looking at belting um, and in particular looking at comparing kind of sort of the like lower belt range, right? Or the sort of like mid belt range to the higher belt range and looking at acoustic um, shifts and changes, right? Like what changes acoustically? Um, because, you know, anyone that teaches belters knows that things shift as as they go higher. Yep. And so we wanted to sort of um, examine what that was acoustically. Um, also, we wanted to, um, you know, a thing for me personally um, with research is, the subjects, um, you know, who we use as these subjects. And then we, you know, sort of like make these statements, but sometimes it's like, well, who was the subject, right? Who were the people that were making the noises? Um, and so um, a, a big thing with with my research is using professionals, right? So we used women that had all played belt roles on Broadway within the last 10 years for to be our subjects, right? Because we wanted people that were like making a lot of money making these noises. Um, and that's a, something that we just have access to being in New York and yep. yeah. having been in this business as long as I've been and, and just being able to call your friends and be like, you want to belt a little into a microphone for me? And they're like, sure, right? Um, and, um, and so so we did this study and basically we found that it's all nonsense there's no rhyme or reason to any of it everyone does something different and it's all over the place and that was really fun and exciting to find out um so for the van lawrence um uh we are doing um a sort of a follow-up study to that but we're doing uh, mri so we are able to see all sorts of business in there um and we got three people in the mri machine before covid and so we're trying to get it back up and running. We, we were trying last year, but then Omicron hit and it was like, oh, everything had, because, you know, we have to get access to those MRI machines at NYU. And believe me, I thing, feel so, it. We, yeah. we had been, we had done two rigorous studies going into the pandemic and then yeah. it just kind of all fell apart. I know, truly. And because... so we, we got those three, which is great. And so I'm like, if we can just get two or three more, then we can at least have like enough to something. look at something with the MRI. Uh, and then yeah. we're going to do the high speed endoscopy as well. And so that yes. we, so we're probably going to be looking at two or three papers here, I think. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get just the MRI first, then we'll do the endoscopy, and then maybe we'll do a 
compare because um, basically, you know, we want to kind of see what things are contributing to these different acoustic changes, right? Um, Why some people are using the second harmonic, why are some using the third and like what, what, what else is going on that's maybe lending those, those sort of changes. Um, But it was really fascinating that first study because, you know, we all had thoughts about what we were going to (laughs) get, you know, as you do, you know, when you're doing singing, because you have like your hypotheses about like, well, the thing that sounds like this is going to obviously be that thing that sounds like no it was all nonsense none of it you know <laughs> it was like inter- we were like we can't figure it out we have no idea why people do the different things Who knows? you know it's the same way too with so many noises that the human body makes I, mm-hmm. tom cleveland said to me i had the great fortune to meet tom and work with tom a little bit and and uh we were going to partner with some research together but then his wife got ill and he retired and we yeah. never got around to it but he said <laughs> he said to me nick I've done 25,000 stroboscopies in my career. I still can't hear a voice disorder. He said, I, no matter what, I will think it's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll actually go in and do the exam and I'll be wrong. And I've, he said, and I've done as many of these things as most humans ever have. Yep. I mean, that's true. I mean, I tell people that all the time. And in my pedagogy classes, you know, I tell people, I'm like, you will never, ever be able to tell what's going on until you get scoped. Not I for said, sure. Nope. Yeah, no, not for sure. I said, you will think. And I said, just as soon as, just, just as just as soon as you get a little cocky and you're like, I've, I've, I've got this. It's a lesion on the left vocal fold, third like, vibrating yeah, margin. Blah, there's going to be people that come along that absolutely defy, absolutely defy it all. Right. Yep. They'll be the most distorted sounding voice that has the cleanest, most textbook vocal Beautiful folds, right? chords. Absolutely. absolutely gorgeous. 100%. And I'm like, yep. so you, you have to just check yourself there because you'll think <laughs> and then people yep. are fine, right? Um, yep. So yeah, so that that's that's the Van Lawrence, right? And so you know we're um, um, trying to you know look at everything else that we can to kind of see what people are doing, you know, Belter wise. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, hopefully by the end of this year we can finish up the MRI portion and then get started on some sure. some analyzing there because it just got all you know sure all log jams. But I've got other other projects happening too that I'm you know, I'm always working on a million things. You know. Yeah. My so wife. with all this background, tell us a little. So you've recently published the second edition of yes. So You Want to Sing Musical Theater. Yes. Uh, which was released last summer? Yeah, yeah last summer. Last June. Mm-hmm. Um, Exciting. Uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how that came about. Um, tell us a little bit about the book itself, that kind of thing. Sure. So I got in August of 2020, I got an email from Matt Hoke saying, Hey, we're going to do, um, we're, we're capping the series. This, so you want to sing series at 20 books, we're capping it at 20 and we're going to start doing second editions. And the first book is musical theater. We'd like to bring in a new author. We really want someone who is, um, really connected to the industry. Um, and I want to see if you'd be interested in this. And so I said, sure. And so I, you know, read, read the first edition, um, came up with my proposal, submitted it. And, and by December, I was starting to write the book. So I wrote the book in about a year, um, a very long, hard year, because I was going through fertility treatments and then pregnant mm-hmm. and, you know, um, but um, got it and done. Working. And working, uh huh, yeah, um, <laughs> all the things, um, but I got it done, and and so it's it's essentially a, a, a total rewrite. Um, you know, I had a lot of different experiences and perspectives than the first author, and so um, you know, followed a little bit of sort of the structure, but, sure. but really changed up 
the chapters and and pretty much did a rewrite. Though there's a little bit in the history chapter that might be a holdover, but the rest of it is all totally new content. Um, I there was just there were certain things that I really wanted to focus on. There's a chapter, um, there's a musical theater history chapter. There's a chapter on genre, which was really important to me mm-hmm. about musical genres in musical theater because musical theater is so vast these days with the musical and vocal uh, musical genres and vocal styles and vocalisms that are used. And I felt like that was a really important thing to really dive into about about how we have to train people to do all these things they have to really really be chameleons with their with their sense of style and understanding musical genres um there's obviously a pedagogy chapter which i could write till the day i die but i had to finally stop writing it and i had a limit of the words (laughs) you know how it is um i'm like and i'm like do i even agree with it anymore i don't even know Haven't changed my mind. By the time you publish it, you're like, I hate it all. I do it all different now, right? That is such a good point. You know, I, I, at some point, I'm I'm so kind of sick of using other textbooks in general in my own class that Mm -hmm. I may just write my own book. But what I'm, what's going to upset me about it is by the time I finish it. I'm uh-huh. not going to agree with it. No, a hundred percent. Which is why I've actually not done it. Yeah. Um, I actually have a, like a digital textbook that I wrote. That's like an open educational resource through my university that uh, it's essentially just a Google doc, um, but it, <laughs> but it allows me to change it. So it's, it's yeah. a reference I can refer to in my, in my voice teaching, but I can change it up. And so like, that's, I think that's the way to go there. If you're just using it for your class. I know. Um, I listen, I, you can I, just I, change it. I, I know I would do it as an online open source thing for yeah, sure. I just, absolutely. it's, it's, it, it is, it, but it is, it, it, it's an example of just how quickly everything in our field can change. Truly. I'm working on, I'm working on a, a, a chapter right now that I'm co-writing with uh, two other, two other folks for the Oxford handbook. And we're talking about I'm doing one too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, but we're talking about like online pedagogy teaching, right? Like not like online voice lessons, but like I'm doing online, the online voice lesson. one. Well, there you go. See, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm like, we can't talk about technology. I'm like, we think like we have to talk about like just good, like what makes for the good online. It's like, cause as soon as we mention a platform, It'll we've, be it's gone. It's gone is, by the time it publishes. This is literally a discussion my co-authors and I uh-huh. have we had, the same. had about yep. this. You know, literally, I was like, "Sorry, I don't know how much we're supposed to talk about this yet or not." But, oh, but um, maybe this is where you have to edit. This is the secret. <laughs> These are the secrets. And, 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 well, you know, it's like anything. Like anything you're writing about, you you never want to write something in general that. Yeah. But by the time it's published, it's out of date. Yeah, for sure. And it's it, just it, tough about sometimes on certain topics. It's tough. You know, it's yeah. really exactly. Yeah, it's tough because some things it's like so. But even even with you know writing about the musical theater industry while it was shut down <laughs> was mm-hmm. tough because I'm like, well, what's going to change? Yeah, and if I may, back. I don't know. If I may, I feel like the industry, cause I have, you know, people out in the industry, yeah. students, clients, professional clients. I feel like from last audition season to this audition season, the industry has changed. Yeah. I mean, it's always changing, but it's like the, the repercussions of COVID, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the self tapes aren't going anywhere, but there is a lot more happening in person. And so I think of, I yes. think within the next two to three years, we will be back in what feels more like what it was, but it was a weird thing to be writing about this industry because yeah. it was like, I can't write about the post COVID world because we're in the COVID world. And I don't really know, you know, so I tried to like, just like not mention COVID mm. at all, but you know, it was, um, I mentioned it once in the, the history chapter, but like, 
you know, mm. it's, it's, it was kind of a tough thing, but that's true. I mean, that's the thing about books is that they're dated as soon as they're printed, um, <sighs> you know, and so it's, it's tough, but I, I did sort of, you know, restructure that book to try to get the things that I wanted in there. You know, there's sure. a chapter about acting and just like some basics about acting, you know, for people that are working with these musical theater singers who really are actors and storytellers. There's a chapter on working with kids, um, which I felt was really important to just talk about specifics yeah. on working with the developing voice. Um, and I wanted, there I wanted there to... of, there's a lot of musical theater with children in it. A hundred percent. And, you know, the, the Broadway junior collection and all of the, the shows, educational versions of shows. I mean, that is incredibly popular oh, and yeah. the hundreds of thousands of kids are doing musicals in so other elementary and middle school. Theater. And yeah. I wanted there to be a little bit dedicated for those educators, right? Those music directors or choir directors who are now working on musicals and to have a little bit of a perspective there. Um, there's an entire value. chapter on rep um, and that chapter is focusing on developmental rep. Um, and so it is approaching musical theater rep from a developmental perspective, which again, probably could have been its own book, but I was like, I'll cram it all into a, a chapter here because there's nothing, I mean, there's so little about developmental rep out there in general, and there's this much about musical theater. But I was so, say, especially zero. musical theater no. rep. And, and I'll tell you what, and I'm glad to know that that chapter is in there. And here is why, because we're restructuring our graduate pedagogy repertoire class mm -hmm. to be more reflective of the degree content now and so the repertoire class is now one-third dealing with um, selecting a developmental classical repertoire one-third musical theater and one-third more contemporary styles right and I'll probably use that chapter of that book for for that class I may even yeah. just have them buy that book for that class <laughs> yeah that I would love it buy the that's, book everybody um, <laughs> leave a review on Amazon <laughs> for the algorithm <laughs> That's what I tell people. Five stars. Go to, go to Amazon. Leave it five stars. The algorithm will love it. Um, no, but but it's. I, I really wanted to do that because I, I always think about rep from a developmental perspective. Um, so much more than I think about it from you know a, a sort of a performance perspective. Um, and so so yeah. And then there's a, there's a chapter on auditioning, and then there's a chapter on um, uh, the musical theater athlete. Um, and about the body and yeah. connecting to the body and the importance of movement and the importance of, you know, because we don't, we just don't stand still and sing in musical theater at all. Yeah. Um, and so having to sort of deal with that. And then the last chapter of the book are interviews with, um, with musical theater professionals. Um, and I love the interviews. They ended up being one of my like favorite, uh, favorite parts of it. It was really great when they would, um, you know, these performers would, like say something that I had kind of already said in the book. I was like, oh, that's good. That's like tying back into something we already talked about in the book. That's great. Um, I was like, that's, that's nice that when that happens. Uh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> we all have those moments where you're like, do I even know what I'm doing anymore? Um, and oh, then yeah. someone, will, someone will say something and then Everyone. you'll be like, oh, I say that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, uh, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, so that happened. I was like, okay, maybe this book will be of value to somebody out there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's the book. Um, you know, it was a labor of love and I'm so thrilled that I did it. And um, I love hearing from people, you know, I get messages from people that say, oh, I'm doing the, reading this book for class or I'm using it in my classroom. And, um, you know, that makes me really happy. I sort of wrote it with both the singer and the teacher in mind. Um, Cause again, I wanted, yeah, I wanted it to, to appeal ask, yeah. to, yeah, as many people, um, it, you know, it would probably feel a little different if I was writing it strictly for teachers. Um, but I wanted it to sort of 
I wanted a singer. I was like, if I was in high school and I picked up this book, I, I feel like this would be the book I would have wanted. <laughs> um, mm. I feel like I would have learned a lot as like a 16 or 17 year old. So I wanted to make sure that those folks who like find this at their Barnes and Noble in wherever <laughs> they're from, that they they pick it up and they, they, they glean something from it and that it's not just so ped focused. So that was a little tough, but once I kind of got into the groove of it, I was able to kind of split that, that difference because the reality is like, I didn't know anything about what made a song hard or easy. Oh, so like, absolutely. even though developmental rep chapter is kind of, you know, a little more geared towards teachers, like I I would have loved to have understood why a song was hard or easy. Sure. You know what I mean? Or to like, know why, like, oh, maybe, yeah, coming right out of high school, yeah, you maybe tackle that's why... this exact song or, you For know, sure. like why yeah. your teacher is <laughs> telling you to sing the, the rep there. For sure. Asking. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, yeah. That's fantastic. It, I, I, um, you know, w w just thinking about the, the the audience of that, I mean, because also, you know, we still have teachers in the industry who didn't have training in musical theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who are now, t you know, t attempting or are teaching it. Um, and, and what a valuable resource for them having someone in the industry actually write this. I mean, at yeah. this point, I think that's wonderful. Well, thank um, you. I'm, so, yeah, I'm proud of it. I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. <laughs> they can get the book on Amazon. You get it is on Amazon. Way to yeah, do it? probably. But you can also order it from Roman and Littlefield directly. If you want to okay. go to their website, they often have sales and things happening. So you might find it discounted there, but, um, mm -hmm. either, either place you, I would imagine you would probably also find it at Barnes and Noble or Barnes and Noble could order it for you. If you want to go, if you have like a, you know, a bookstore, you know, in your, in your, in your hometown, wherever you are. Barnes Wherever you're Noble. listening to this fine podcast. Barnes & Noble for the first time in 20 years is opening like 15 new stores around I the country. I saw that. That's exciting. I saw Their that. first expansion in like Noble. two decades. Yeah. Um, I saw that recently. I was like, good for them. Yeah, right? They've survived. I think they handled it. They handled kind of that transitional period where so many things closed very, very well. Yeah. I I, I like holding a book still personally. I I'm, do too. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not a big well, and going fan. in and browsing, like sometimes I don't know what book I want. Like sometimes, yep. like I want something new to read, but I don't know yet. I need to go look. For sure. Yeah. Um, like, please. Oh no, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm just um, thinking about bookstores now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Sarah thought. It is a very Sarah. <laughs> I'm just there now. I'm thinking about how like you can go to Barnes and Noble, you get your Starbucks. <laughs> Yeah, just say get your coffee, browse You'll the You'll see browse all the, the memes aisles. about like if you ever need to go to the bathroom, you just go to a Barnes and Noble. Like you know, you mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna make it happen. I wondered if someone was going to make this joke I had to. since we were starting. <laughs> I had to. Since we were Thought about that down. too. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Good. Well what done. Just all kinds of thoughts. Well done. <laughs> um, you know, Amanda. Obviously, you uh, also have some of your own products out there. I know you have some online courses available. You want to tell the Vocal Fam a little bit about some of those? Sure. So I um, have a couple of of courses. I usually just moved them online to a platform so that they're asynchronous and people can purchase oh, nice. them at any time. Yeah, I um, I had sort of had a class in the works. I wanted to make like a an online vocal pedagogy class. I was sort of starting to kind of think about it and kind of think about what it would look like. Then the pandemic hit and I was like, well, now's the time. <laughs> Let's make this happen. So I, I made the course um, and, and it was, um, we would meet online um, and I did that for like three years. Um, it was like a seven session course to kind of like a, um, you know, structured like you would structure like a, a vocal ped course, um, but obviously not 
as intense as a graduate program, but, um, you know, giving sort of information about that anatomy, physiology, acoustics, biomechanics, vocal health, um, repertoire, designing vocal exercises, applied studio teaching, um, all of those sorts of good things. Um, and so I did that. And then um, this last year, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to move it online. And so I just um, the beginning of the year launched that course. It's called Vocal Pedagogy Foundations. And it's um, I always tell people it's a great it's a great course for like a refresher if these are things you learned years ago or if you've never learned them and like you're early in your teaching it's a it's a sort of an approachable way to learn them because it's sort of enough information to start to grasp the concepts but not going so deep you know mm -hmm. that your mind is going to um, melt um <laughs> and um i um uh so i i have that course um available and i'm i'm very happy because i've had like three or four people that have taken it and that have then gone to grad school after because oh, it's been the course that has made them no, go no. made them go i think i really want to do this i want to learn more and oh, so it's great. it's i always say it's like a good like teaser right if you Test take the out. class exactly it's a safe way to sort of take it and then you know go wow i want to know more i got to know more mm -hmm. about acoustics i got to know more about this right you know because it's enough to like get some no. people excited um and then um, i have a community for folks that are taking that course we have an online community where we meet once a week and um it's a little bit of like sort of like a mentorship community and we talk about our you know research and different things online and and so kind of operates like a facebook group but it's through a different platform um and then i, I actually just launched just actually today my course uh, on the developing voice on working with kids and teens and um i have two belting courses that are coming up very soon um so i have sort of a belting the basics, as I call it, where it's sort of like getting started with teaching people how to belt and then a more advanced course, which is actually, um, I'm actually going to be doing a workshop at Voice Foundation this year on working with advanced belters. Because um, I feel like we're always talking about like, you know, sort of like, the beginning the beginnings right of belting but we don't no one's ever doing workshops about well, like well what do i do next like once my once my student can kind of like when they're ready to go to that next level or when i have a singer who comes in who is a more advanced belter what do, what do we do mm -hmm. so um so i'm going to do um a voice foundation workshop about that this year and Phenomenal. then um and then yeah so those those courses will be, be coming up i just you know i have an 11 month old so my mm. time is you know, not my own. Where, yeah. where can people find those online? What's you the can website? go to my website, amandaflynnvoice.com. And there's a page there for teachers. And then that, that has links to all of my, to the outside platform where Perfect. all the things are. So we'll make yeah. sure we link your website in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I would love that. Um, uh, so um, transitioning now, just before, you know, cause, cause we're, we'll get, we're getting toward the top of the hour here. Um, so, uh, as you know, on Vocal Fry, we always want to know, particularly with first-time guests, what any of their pop culture interests are outside of singing and voice. Um, uh, any, anything you can share with the Vocal Fam whatsoever? I mean, I have an 11-month-old, so right now that's pretty much it. So as you it, know, is you it, have is children. It, is, it, is it Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or is it's it? It's Miss Rachel. It is oh, Miss Rachel. Yeah, what yeah. is Miss Rachel? I don't. You know don't what know Miss like Rachel. My kids are teenagers. Your kids are too old. Miss Rachel is on YouTube. TikTok, which is huh? She's on TikTok. Am I on TikTok? Yeah. No, but okay. you you see the stuff on Instagram like two weeks after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get you got the um, that was a, that was a deep cut dig against Perna. Listen, TikTok's free. You could go join it and get your information up to date. You know, <laughs> but the, you can also wait. 
she basically uh, uh, she teaches little kids how to talk yeah her, very, her son like, yeah her son had a speech delay and she's a, a musician and actually we actually actually know her husband her husband is actually the music director for aladdin and oh. he is um, a composer and so they're both songwriters and so she always taught classes for little kids like music classes but then her son had a speech delay and so he was in speech therapy and so she was learning all these things about like speech development and she was like surely there's a show that I can like watch that we can watch together that is focused on like speech development and there was nothing and so she was like I'm going to create it and so she created yeah it's called songs for littles and it's my daughter's favorite thing it is truly baby crack these days literally (laughs) There Literally, there are all these videos on TikTok of of children, like of you just playing the sound of Miss Rachel going, hi, and the babies are like, where is she? Where is she? They start looking around like they're like, where is Miss Rachel? Where is she? Give her to this me This was definitely not around when my kids were. No, uh, it, it was, I think, I don't remember when she started making videos, but it took off during the pandemic because people were yeah. like, I need something to entertain my child. Amazing. I'm glad. So anyway, here I am this. plugging Miss Rachel, plugging Miss Rachel. <laughs> we go. love Miss Rachel in this house. Um, no, I mean, there there are plenty of other things, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's mostly my life right now is baby, but Obviously, um, you know, I love the theater, um, but um, I've always been a big, big sports fan. My brother played really? in the my brother played in the NFL for like 10 years. So, uh, well, you know, you know, he's retired now. Thank God. Um, but, uh-huh. you know, I'm so I'm I luckily I, I very like happily have some distance from it now. But for many years there no distance whatsoever very much yeah. very much in it but now it's like oh i don't have to watch football every weekend thank you god yeah i mean i love to watch football but like i, I don't yeah, have the investment i'm not that level anymore so is so that's kind of the first football reference on the podcast is it i don't know we've definitely had people who are into baseball because i mean my god we've had josh glasner on so i mean uh-huh. we've definitely had people on who are into baseball i i feel like this might be our first First football NFL reference. It's entirely possible. That's amazing. I'm thrilled to be the first. That's amazing. I mean, I listen, I do also appreciate all of your all of your Marvel references because well, I do love me. I do love me some superheroes. We 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 do our best to keep it. We watch the Mandalorian every Wednesday night in this house. I'm loving you know, it. So it's like just, it. just chapter nineteen. Chap, chapter nineteen was something to behold. It was. Um, so and uh that's f- phenomenal. Um Amanda, thank you so much for making some time for us. Um I thank have a you for of, having me. I would like to do a couple of things. Liz, you have a Broadway vocal coach here. Do you want to ask her any questions? No pressure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just put me on the spot. Um no, but I would like to say you're talking about the book being a great resource for like a teenager walking into a bookstore who wants to do music theater. And as somebody who like wanted to do that, mm-hmm. but a, as a teenager had absolutely no idea what was happening. Um, and no idea like, what do I sing at a college audition? Oh my gosh. Yes. And no idea what the process looks like. Just thinking about how valuable a resource like that would have been for me is crazy and so i'm very <laughs> excited to like go purchase this book and be like okay, oh i appreciate it i appreciate that i mean i, I was <laughs> i was the high schooler who was like who would like go to the like theater and music section at barnes and noble and be like what can oh, i, I know right yeah, and you're i looking. would yeah and i remember reading through all of stanislavski like getting all of his books oh. and highlighting them being like i gotta learn i have to learn and deepen my craft i mean like that was me I, so this like... is how i feel about my son right now i bought him <laughs> i brought what's the book uh broadway show by show or whatever uh-huh. it is uh-huh. Stanley oh, Green's yeah, yeah. book, yeah. Um, I bought him that for Christmas, and and like three days later, he was done with it. 
And oh, there you go. And so yeah. I was like, cause he had just come off his first run as Frederick in Sound of Music at that point. Uh-huh. And, and so uh, he's currently preparing Benedict in Much Ado uh, as a 13-year-old. <laughs> Listen. Uh, you should look at Jen Tepper's books, The Untold Stories of Broadway. I don't know if you've seen those before, no. but Jen, Jennifer Jennifer that. Ashley Tess Tepper is a musical theater, really a Broadway historian. She's a good friend of mine, oh, and she has their yeah. And so these are these books. They're actually um, very cool. They're organized by theater, so they so it'll be like oh. a whole section about like the Broadway theater, and she will interview all these people that have um, worked like, you know, um, people that like worked on the crew and were performers in that theater and like the doorman and all of the people and like get all the history of the theaters. Um, and it's all these sort of like untold stories that you would never hear. Uh, no. But I think there's three or four books in the series, but highly recommend that Definitely for a young I'm, theater lover. I'm right. I'm trying, the next thing is what is birthday? His birthday in September. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Know what so I'm there you go. Here. Yep. Um, that's fantastic. Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, um, Greek yogurt with granola and Cheerios. That's like the healthiest breakfast I think you've had. I've been having Greek yogurt for a while. There was a brief break. There <laughs> no, was a brief I mean like this spring. There's like yeah, it's been a lot of Cheerios. It's been a lot of Cheerios, but this morning it was both. Wow. I know, crazy. I've also been on a real grits kick. Grits. Oh. Lots of grits. This is the first grits reference on the podcast too. NFL like and I grits. Went, I, feel I don't like remember. I went through a grits period a few years ago. I don't remember that. And then just like. In was it past- during the pandemic? No, um, I don't know why I specifically remember. It's when I lived in the old house in Clinton. So it's before the pandemic. Ped, what was it? Ped squared, Ped cubed. Uh, when all three of us lived there. Ped palazzo or something. I don't yeah. remember. Yes, yeah, I, rem- I remember times. that now. But yeah, I went through a wow. grits period then too. So wild times, Fantastic. crazy times. <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much for joining us on Vocal Front. Thank Fry. you for having me. Something. Now listen, now listen. One of the things that everybody's been pushing me to do for a while mm-hmm. that I want you to come back for, but I wanted oh. to give you your own feature yeah. first. I appreciate it. <laughs> is we've been, we have never on Vocal Fry actually done, an, of all the topical things that we've done in six years of this show, True. we have never done an actual panel on belting. In yeah. six years yeah, of this Yeah, just straight show. up, Sign just like up. a belting. Um, so uh, I will definitely uh, be back in touch about that, probably for next season. We may even try to kick off next season with that episode oh, that as a fun. big uh, something or other. That would be great. But Let's I'd like to it. have a few of y'all who are, you know, really in the industry and, you know, doing things. It doesn't even have to be Broadway, but like I, Noelle Smith, I'd like to have back on for that as well. And Well, I think kind of it could be fun to hit it from a – belting for developing singers for your younger singers oh, belting true. for the advanced belter that's belting true. you know you've that's got a good point yeah you want to kind of say have the moments that's a good point, every Sarah. once in a while Sarah. they're Sarah. rare but here we are Sarah, that's a that's a fine that's a fine <laughs> from bookstores idea. to belting that's a fine idea here for here for all the bees yeah. oh my gosh that's today's a, that's a, i feel like it's sesame street today's a, brought to you by the letter b Mm-hmm. Bookstores, belting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I'm. I would be thrilled. I would be honored to be on that panel. Yeah. So anytime. So anyway, we'll be we'll be back in touch about that at some point. Um, okay. So Amanda, thank you so much, Vocal Fam. Listen. So Sarah and I. Do we have anybody next weekend? We are we, do. Are we back? Is we this, do. Is this Theodora finally? No. No. Who's next week? Oh my goodness, my brain uh, is. We have guests. Out. We have guests coming on next week. There will be people it's, here it's next a, week. It's a mind, mindfulness episode, right? That sounds yes. right. It's, I, I'm trying to pull it up. My brain went blank because you we, asked. We do have guests next week. I'm so sorry, Vocal Fam. I just forgot. Um, 
Yep, mindfulness. Um, you right. Uh, we got to send them a link. <laughs> my whole life right now is little, little, good times. I, I love the irony that you forgot to send the mindfulness people a the link. link. Oh my god! Let me tell you what. Yeah. It seems listen, like that's a very needed episode. <laughs> vocal it fam, is. listen, vocal fam. That'll we, be a good we, good time. We open Little Women in six days, and then literally the day we close Little Women, I go into Flater Mouse rehearsals. And I Ew. am trying to, let me tell you, remember last year, Vocal Fam, we did an episode on memorization? Oh my gosh, yes. I am currently trying to memorize my fourth different English translation of Deflator Mouse, and I am dying. Like, it is, because some of my lines even start exactly the same and finish differently. That's unfortunate. And it is, I am dying. <laughs> And it's a short roll. It should be, and I've done it probably as many times as I've done anything except maybe Bohem. And I am just like. Your brain said nope. My brain is like, my over 40 dinosaur brain is going, we don't want to remember words of different words again for this same stupid no, music. Not at all. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so anyway, but Vocal Fam, we will be back with you next week. It's it's it, it, it. I did not plan on this spring being so exciting. Well, woo! Wow, it's been it's been quite the spring. It Amanda, has been. Amanda, thank you so much. Um, thank you for having been, me. It's been a joy. All right, Vocal Fam, we out. Peace. Yeah.